1: of the world, Steve
0: Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're a CBD fan, or you use CBD products, or you need CBD products in your life, Go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25, you'll get 25% off your next shipment. They have everything from tonics to rub-ons to lotions, anything you need and want. They ship North American, I don't know if they ship worldwide, you'll have to check that out. And if you're a woman that listens to the show, go to poppyapparel.com, use promo code the podcast with a capital D, you'll get 10% off your next shipment. They have women's clothing apparel from anything from top to bottom, any shape, size, width, length, it doesn't matter, they have everything for everyone. And they ship worldwide, and they have free shipping, over $50 worth of sales. And obviously, listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and go to podbros.com. I am a part of their network. Listen to the show there as well, with a bunch of other shows. And if you shop on Amazon, click on their Amazon banner. It takes you two seconds, free of charge. Helps them out, helps me out. So, today's guest is a mixed martial artist with a professional record of 17-2. and two. He is the winner of the Ultimate Fighter Nations, Canada vs. Australia, Currently riding a three-fight win streak, UFC-ranked middleweight, the main event, Elias the Spartan Theodoro.
1: Hey, pleasure to
0: be on. No, pleasure's all mine, my friend. What's going on with you these days?
2: Just another day, uh, you know, another day in paradise, uh, getting ready for my next fight against Derek Brunson uh, here in Montreal, and, uh, you know, midway through the week, uh, like I said, just another day in paradise.
0: So this fight was just announced, what, well, like two days ago as of this recording? Well, this is going to drop today, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, it was a couple. It's
2: been uh, uh, I, a couple of weeks now. Um, it's been uh, official. So uh, really excited. Uh, Derek will be the top-ranked um, fighter I'll be fight I've ever fought. Nice. Um, although, you know, people like, for instance, Thiago uh, Santos, Santos um, obviously has climbed the rankings since then. <laughs> uh, I fought him prior. And uh, the only person to really go to decision with him, win or lose. Um, So, again, that's one of the fights where, although I didn't win that fight, I'm very proud of it because uh, I'm the only one that didn't, uh, you know, get KO'd.
0: (laughs) I know. Like, Santos is a beast. I was just going to mention. Is he the hardest hitting guy you've ever fought? Is that safe to say? Oh,
2: definitely. Oh, definitely. Especially (laughs) when he kicked me in the body. Oh, that's right. Like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Right after the fight, I I, I went to the washroom and it was just,
0: black oh no like
2: all the blood that was probably in regards to my body and stuff like that right but you know I was fine other than a cut uh, I was pretty fine and that fight honestly I I was winning the first round and um you know the the second kind of went both ways and he obviously was able to pull away in the third um but you know it kind of showed me that was my first taste of defeat uh going 12 and 0 at that point so um you know Uh, The fact that my first loss is to someone that obviously has gone on to prove that he's such a savage, it shows that, you know, I could take a punch, although uh, the plan is to, you know, take less and give more. (laughs) And that's what I plan to do against Derek Brunson.
0: So how did you, since that was your first loss, and not even your first loss in the UFC, your first loss period, that's what people don't realize, how did did you rebound back from that? Like, because some people take it to heart, some people go on a losing streak afterwards, but it seems like you bounced back quite nicely.
2: Yeah, uh, I definitely took it to heart in some capacity, but at the same time, I was able to realize that the sun will, sun will rise another day after a loss, and, you know, go. my only two losses are uh, decisions, which are basically interpretations by the judges, Right. Um, and, uh, you know, top contenders. Uh, I would even argue, again, my follow-up loss, I do not really think I lost against uh, Brad Tavares. I beat yeah. him in every single metric in regards to takedown punches and everything in routine, but... Unfortunately, when you take on a guy from Vegas, in Vegas, uh, sometimes <laughs> nice. the results aren't exactly what you expect. But again, the only two guys that I've lost to are top 10 and possibly you know, title contenders, now nice. with Tiago Santos. Um, so you know, it, it, was, it is definitely a um, confidence booster in that capacity because it shows that I, I belong here. And, uh, I'm showing, I'm, I'm looking forward to showing that I belong in the top 10, uh, division, uh, uh sorry, in the middleweight division, top 10, right. uh, with a, a win over Derek Brunson, uh, May 4th.
0: And you said you're in Montreal. So you are you tri-star already training?
2: Uh, Tri-Star and, uh, Titans are the two gyms that I, I spend the most time here. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, you know, I love it. Uh, kind of remove myself from the hustle and bustle, uh, from home, uh, in Toronto. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, kind of just remove myself, uh, and just uh, immerse myself in regards to training. And one of the the byproducts of uh, TriStar is it's a very open door policy. You know, there's people Beautiful. from all over the world that train here, and uh, you know, it's an opportunity like. For instance, there's a guy from Philly who's a prospect. I think he's he's got a couple of uh, I think he's got a bunch of amateur fights and a couple of pro fights. He's a solid stud. It's mm-hmm. another southpaw, um, which I'll be fighting. So. Um, you know, it's a, a training partner that kind of comes out of left field that I'll get to train with for the week yeah. and, uh, you know, get to work with him and, uh, you know, uh, get to try something new and it's always something new uh, here in try. you'll get someone from like, um, you know, uh, not too long ago, I got someone coming from Germany. Who's a, you know, prospect that no one's heard of and nice. I got to train with him for a couple of weeks and people from, you know, all over the world. So. Uh, it kind of very much encompasses what I fell in love with—mixed martial arts, the mm-hmm. fighter's journey, and my own ability to travel and train and fight all over the world. And I've been lucky enough to do that. And uh, obviously, training at Tristar, I'm lucky enough to have that same mentality, that same—you uh, know—fighting uh, spirit and you know, uh, fighter's journey that I talked about yeah. come to me. Uh, so suppose. it's very exciting.
0: Now, you said you're in Montreal and you leave all the hustle and bustle behind. So do you go alone or do you bring your family? Do you bring your loved ones, anything with you? Or is just you on your own with just training out there?
2: It's, it's just me. Um, obviously, I have my, tr- my coaches and my training partners out right. here. So I'm not alone. And I would argue you're never alone with Jesus. <laughs> there you but, go. <laughs> uh, point, point being, um, point being uh, basically, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm lonesome, but uh, I'll be going to training uh, after this interview. And, uh, you know, kind of doing the thing. Uh, my girlfriend, who I've been with for quite some time now, she's back in Toronto and doing her own thing. And right. it's very much uh, kind of removing myself, not necessarily looking ahead at her as a distraction, hmm. more of, uh, you know, just the total focus in the last uh, five weeks or so that we find ourselves in right. uh, leading up to Ottawa. And, you know, she's the first person that I get to celebrate with.
0: Of course. And that's awesome. So you, you said it. You were, were you born and raised in Toronto or you a transplanted? Uh,
2: Born in Toronto, raising Mississauga, but okay. uh, now, I live, now I live in the heart of uh, downtown.
0: Okay, because I'm, I'm right by Etobicoke, so I borderline Mississauga. Nice, nice. So
2: yeah, I'm, if we're talking uh, exact directions, I'm basically on King and Spadina is where I live
0: Oh now. shit, okay, that's nice. How do you like living down there? Because it's so different than when I grew up down there. Because I actually grew yeah. up downtown as well, so I don't know, It's it's sort of different for me now.
2: Yeah, I know. It's definitely the hustle and bustle. I'm right in the heart of it, right? But uh, especially for the next couple of years, um, yeah. that's where I kind of plan on being. Uh, par, you know, uh, par, uh, of barring uh, what's called the eventual plans to, you know, uh, have a family, etc., cetera, et cetera, I'll probably move more, uh, kind of, more where you are, kind of in the uh, yeah. in betweeny in that capacity. But I love it. Um, and also, I love Montreal. I get to get, like, awesome doses of it every time I, I train out here. Um, you know, um, get to see the the beautiful province and, uh, and, uh, kind of just take it all in.
0: You know what? I love Montreal too. Me and my wife try yeah. and go at least once every two years now, cause it's just one of those it, it cause I'm, my background's Portuguese. So mm-hmm. my parents are Portuguese. I was born here. So to me, Montreal has that Europe feel to it. Like, it's almost yeah. like you're walking down the streets of Europe. You know what I mean? So it's like a nice getaway from Toronto. I totally understand why you do it.
2: Yeah, no, totally, I agree. Um, and especially, like, uh, in the summer.
0: <laughs> and it's starting no kidding. to warm up now. <laughs> no, obviously, yeah. No, I don't think that we've been ever into winter. We usually try and stick to the summer. Well, obviously, being from Toronto, you know how all our, win- our winters are, too. Same shit, right? All the way around. Yeah, well,
2: it's worse. <laughs> it's definitely worse. There's a lot more snow. It's uh, it to it get colder. Um, oh, shit. And then, uh, luckily, uh, again, the place that I'll be fighting in um, Ottawa, right. come May 4th, uh, That w- this this winter, that was actually the coldest capital in the world. Uh, at one point during the, the winter, it was like minus 35, minus 40 with the windshield.
0: That's just not so, right.
2: <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll be there in May.
0: <laughs> there you go. Okay, so I have to ask since you're in Montreal too, are, are you a Poutine guy?
2: Uh, yes, but not right now because obviously I'm getting ready for my fight.
0: Of course. So, what, what's your favorite Poutine place in Montreal to go to?
2: Uh, there's a couple of them actually. If I'm gonna talk about food, uh, there's places like Schwartz. If I'm gonna go for a, a like a a real meaty uh, experience, right. uh, and there's other types of uh, places. There's no specific place, okay. but um, you know, but uh, like in many ways, um, for instance, um, much like uh, in Ottawa, they're known for their, their shawarmas and their gyros oh, and whatnot. Okay. there's many different uh, places you can get out here in Montreal. Um, very similar to Toronto, you can go. You can you can look in a in like a couple streets. You can find a many different options. And right. again, it's a, obviously there's a, like I mentioned, like uh, shorma's Greek food, etc. Um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's many delicious options, uh, but also poutine is one of them.
0: <laughs> so do, are you a regular poutine guy, just cheese and gravy, or do you get like all the of the works on oh, it? Oh, I
2: go, I go, I go the works. So like the more meat, the better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what she said.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey
0: so what got you into fighting come on because like you do also side stuff like acting and modeling and all that and you're successful at that as well and you really don't need to do fighting I guess again I don't want to speak out of hand but I assume so but what was the thing that grasped you into it that made you be like I want to do this for a living
2: well, as mentioned, the, the fighter's journey, uh, I started as a fan first and more, foremost, and okay. um, after my first year in university, I thought, the, you know, I was enlightening the mind, I thought the body should follow, and soon I realized they were intertwined, and I was able to, um, you know, uh, fall in love with martial arts, not right. only as a fan, but also as a martial artist, and eventually uh, having the, you know, the gumption to jump in there, because mixed martial arts has a very um, low level of entry, but obviously the cream rises to the top, and right. I've been able to do that uh, slowly but surely, and now I think I'm either the 14th or 13th best in the world and looking forward to becoming the 8th best once I beat Derek Brunson.
0: So that's what I was going to ask too. These fucking ranking systems. Like, honestly, shouldn't it be when you beat someone, you take their ranking instead of just moving up a couple? Like, I, I don't understand how it's just a, a, a committee of people sit around and be like, okay, my favorite this week is this guy, so he's going to be ranked this instead of that. Like,
2: Yeah, and there's some examples where, like, there's people that, like, aren't even technically fighting anymore that right. would be on like one guy's like yo he's 15 but he hasn't fought in three years but <laughs> um you know it's not perfect um but you know i'm gonna do my part and of course uh what's it called kind of take it out of the hands and you know it, it's a motivator in the fact that the first person sorry the the person i'm fighting next the last person that beat him mm-hmm. is fighting for a title now um so there's no. additional uh, momentum and of course you know, uh, a win over Derek Brunson will presumably put me in the top ten and uh, within striking distance (pun intended) uh, with the uh, the title contention.
0: So, like you said, you're in the middleweight. You're, I think, you're in one of the most exciting divisions right now in the UFC. It's been a long time since, usually, like when I first started watching UFC. Mind you, I went back when it first first started. But when yeah. it actually was weight classes and everything, at one point, the light heavyweight was the the best. Like when it was the Liddell Ortiz days. No. That division was stacked. Now I see it more, it's the featherweight and the middleweights that are stacked. And for you to be, like you said, at the 14th or 13th, that's a high accomplishment on its own. But how do you see yourself in the, amongst the top 10 even? Because all those guys are jam-packed. Like, I can't even say who's who anymore ranked. Like They're all the same in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Um, well, obviously, not looking past to my opponent. He's a tough individual. He's going to try and knock my block off, and I'm just going to show him the difference right. between chess and chess or check chess and checkers. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that's what I've been able to do in my career. Uh, you know, uh, Derek Brunson's a tough individual, um, but I think in many ways our our styles and our strengths and weaknesses match up really well for me. Um, he's a front runner. He's going to try and come out of the gate like a bat out of the hell. Yep. But uh, the rule of thumb in my training camp is, uh, and with my coaches, is never go full Brunson. Um,
1: <laughs> that's so, hilarious. Uh,
2: I'm, I'm planning to, you know, be calm and collective while he comes out like a, like I mentioned, a bat out of hell. Right. And I think um, I have all the answers uh, against them. I'm very good at uh, finding a way to win. Obviously, the longer it goes, and that's of something course. that he's. Uh, been notable at letting fights kind of slip out of his hands, whether it's by, you know, uh, TKO's in like a a fight against the current champion, Robert Whitaker, uh, where he just came at him like a bat out of hell and just got caught Mm -hmm. um, because of the fact that he fights emotional. And I don't know if that's necessarily him fighting scared or him tactically feeling that he just wants to, you know, bum rush, for lack of a better word, and go full Brunson. I just think there's a difference – in our styles and i think it'll be very evident come game day and i think um obviously i have a lot of confidence going into this fight being on a three-fight win streak of course. i would argue even more of a win streak if you count uh the brad Tavares fight if you right. don't count that as a loss um that's really a six-fight win streak
0: that's crazy so you said you were a fan growing up who was your favorite fighter who was your go-to guy as a kid I loved
2: uh, I loved uh, Tito Ortiz being the the badass that he was, right. um, and then obviously uh, Anderson Silva being in my weight class and the aura that he presented, right. um, and kind of uh, you know the, the, the sense of a martial artist. Uh, but there's many other fighters that I kind of grew to you know really admire uh, because in many ways, obviously, eventually that's where I wanted to be. Of but um, they were they, they were the people that I wanted to emulate in regards to my own career. Um, A little bit less shit-talking than someone like uh, Tito Ortiz, for instance. But, um, you know, a healthy in-between, where Anderson was more, you know, respectful and a martial artist and um, whatnot. But then you have someone like, obviously, George St. Pierre as well, that, uh, as a Canadian, looking Mm. up to him, and then eventually, you know, training at TriStar and with him. And now, even though, uh, he's retired. He's still uh, in the, on the mats, training every single day, nice. and even teaches a couple of the days uh, here at TriStar.
0: Nice. Okay, so I have two scenarios for you. What's you, what's your dream matchup? Doesn't matter, retired, current, in their prime, that you would want to face ever in your career.
2: Well, uh, I, I think um, ever in my career, obviously, um, kind of putting myself in a hypothetical, you of know, course. against Anderson Silva okay. at, at, at his, uh, you know, prime. Uh, would have been uh, a, an amazing feat. Uh, like you have someone like Chris Weidman that was able to pull it off, obviously. Yeah. Um, but now uh, the uh, the opportunity to train with Anderson, like I have, um, has been a surreal moment as well. So you know, still getting that aura that he kind of uh, you know emulates. That I was able to train with him back at Chael, Chael Sonnen versus um, Anderson Silva two. That's right. Uh, back in um, back in Brazil when I was uh, at, in in brazil training mm-hmm. and then further uh, against my fight against dan kelly i was able to stop in uh, in la and train with him out there as nice. well um it, it, not necessarily a dream matchup because again I, I wouldn't fight him now because of the fact that um I, i'm friends with uh, i'm really good i'm quite good friends with uh, one of his coaches now too there you go. and um you know i've trained with them and out of respect i wouldn't fight him but he'd be someone that would be amazing to compete you know at the, at the the height of his career um, when he was so dominant a- as champion. Right. Uh, and beyond that, you know, I- I'm looking forward, not necessarily in the past, but in, in-, in the future. And obviously a win over Derek Brunson, uh, the last person that beat him is fighting for a title. It'd be great to fight someone like Israel Adesanya. I think I have a lot of tools in my tool case to yeah. kind of, um, you know, present threats in my own way. Um, Kevin Gaslam is up there as well. That's obviously, good fight, um, yeah. and I'm looking forward, is basically what I'm saying.
0: No, that's awesome. Okay, uh, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine, and my dream matchup that never happened that I thought was going to happen before you retired you mentioned two of them, you trained with both, is GSP versus Anderson Silva. What's your ultimate matchup that you wanted to see happen that never did happen?
2: Yeah, it definitely would be GSP versus Anderson Silva, obviously, when they were both at their prime. Uh, exactly. You know, looking yeah. at, like, unvincible, invincible, rather. Uh, unbeatable is what I was going to (laughs) say, invincible uh, at their prime. So, you know, that would have been one that would have been great uh, for sure. And obviously, you know, Fedor in his prime coming into the heavyweight division would have been great as well. But um, definitely in an individual, uh, what's it called, Um, individual uh, matchup would have been Anderson Silva versus uh, GSP. Or, you know, eventually uh, for the hundredth time, uh, Khabib versus Tony Ferguson
0: oh i know right if only it happened i don't know i guess the gods don't speaking of jesus they no, don't want the it NBA happening gods. No. <laughs> okay so i want to touch on the ultimate fighter for a bit because that was a big part of your career that's what so-called got you started in the ufc but i'm sure you would have found your way regardless because like you said the cream rises to the top it was just a stepping stone in my opinion but that was the last season i watched to tell you the truth like i think it's run its course i don't think it's needed anymore i know you're employed employee of the ufc and you can't really talk shit about it but do you think it's still relevant to have an ultimate fighter in this day and age?
2: Um, I, I think there's definitely serves a purpose, especially when you look at the um, different, like for instance, ours was uh, Canada versus Australia, which is right. the smashes series. So I think, especially the uh, the series where it goes on, you know, the more international markets, I think there's an opportunity for them to kind of uh, be on full display. That and obviously, sense. with a new partner with ESPN, right. they could probably do it on a different format and a little different, change it up. But I think, uh, you know, the, the kind of the smaller versions of it where it's like um, the uh, Contender Series or Dana White's looking for a fight. Exactly. I think those are more concentrated examples. Right. But uh, like you said, it The Ultimate Fighter is very much ingrained in regards to my career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, coming up on the actual fifth year of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, I'm really excited because I've been able to, you know, go now um, – uh, once i beat brunson be nine and two in the ufc right. uh, 11 fights and i'm looking forward to 11 plus fights uh in the next five years so you know I, i've had
0: nothing but positive experience with the ultimate fighter obviously because i won it <laughs> but
2: um, you know it, it's something that I, I i cherish full and foremost because of the fact that i was able to you know do something with uh, 15 other like-minded knuckleheads, you know, a a rise to the top and, uh, you know, put myself both financially and uh, what's it called career-wise in a place that I want and where I am today.
0: No, most definitely. So what was the most difficult thing about being in that house?
2: Uh, The waiting game.
0: It's seven weeks, right? And uh, kind of removing a cell phone the first two weeks, I was like a (laughs) crackhead. Right. You know
2: what I mean? But obviously um, the phones then were a lot Uh, not or not as great as they are now so i think there's even more social media and uh you know attachment to all the uh the addiction that i have in regards to my uh my
0: phone (laughs) (laughs) most definitely okay so and what about something that happens that the fans don't see that that i don't know that it should be it or it shouldn't but something that people should know that's really happening behind the scenes
2: well the lights don't really turn off ever
0: Oh seriously! So that, like, because they
2: want to be ready just in case they have like kind of like security uh, cameras that are kind of like catching everything just in okay. case something happens. Right.
0: So uh, um, makes sense. Like,
2: uh, like, and they were even brighter. Like the first week or so, they basically had full lights on the whole time, and oh, it
0: like it's so <laughs> intense. You
2: know what I mean? It's like midnight. And you're trying to close your eyes, and there's like light just like this. Not even like this. This is natural light at least. Of course. Like, you know what I mean, there's flaring lights and like the whole team like both teams uh, canada canada and australia were like right. yo this got to go in some regard because like they're like literally like again yeah. just like these bright lights in your in,
0: in your, your face 24 like, uh, 7
2: yeah so we kind of got them to turn off some of them but okay. it was pretty much but not fully you know what i mean like there yeah. were some <laughs> lights that were kind of there um so that's kind of like the interesting thing that kind of like you know it, it's it's not, like, again, it's the component of reality
0: TV. Right. So what you see is what you get then. Because a lot of people think it's scripted. A lot of people think, like, the UFC is feeding these guys to do stuff. And it's totally what you see uh, is what you get, right? For the most part, again, they don't tell you what to say. But in some
1: ways that you can you can only get from, you can only get answers from
2: the questions. that They, they, they give you certain questions okay. that you answer that kind of, um, not necessarily... Scripted
1: again, it's you saying what you feel, right. but it kind of fits in regards to maybe
2: the the narrative that they're eventually going to put together. Because uh, gotcha. again, the uh, the all it's not even necessarily a narrative. It's because uh, you know, as they say, it's as real as it gets. Right. So even if they want to put a narrative, if someone loses, then mm-hmm. that person loses. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, so it's not really scripted in the capacity of um, you know they can't. There's only so much they can kind of position anything in many ways it's kind of going with the flow
0: so would you ever coach be a coach on the ultimate fighter oh yeah yeah yeah.
2: love the experience and i would love to help out uh, other fighters to get that same opportunity as i did.
0: so how about fighting wise like uh you fought in a lot of different cities like you said you've fought in vegas fought in toronto you've you're going to fight in ottawa do you prefer to fight closer to home or do you want to do the trek and go somewhere else
2: well i've done liverpool i fought i fought
0: in sydney as well oh you fought everywhere Um,
2: you know, there's opportunity, obviously, to train and travel and uh, fight all over the world is a great experience. But it's a lot easier dealing with the, the, the taxes that are involved in regards to Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I uh, definitely uh, prefer
1: that. Even the States, too.
2: Right. Uh, because I have a visa, so it's very easy. Easy peasy in regards to the, the taxes in that capacity. But, um, you know, it's almost cheaper to, to fight at home and then I could fly uh, myself out to Australia with
0: the winnings. <laughs> oh my God, no kidding. Okay, so how was it fighting? Okay, I was going to say ACC because it's still engraved in my head, but the Scotia Bank Arena. How was yep. it fight? Not even winning, put that aside, just being announced by Bruce Buffer there. And this was the first time you fought in the UFC in Toronto? Or is yeah, it not? first time in Toronto. Um,
2: very, a very important experience in my life. Um, and even again, uh, beyond obviously the, the, them announcing my uh, Bruce announcing my name. Uh, the hometown crowd cheering me on, right. uh, you know, coming back from, uh, what's it called, the moment or two where it looked like uh, I, I was in trouble. Um, and, uh, you know, when I fight all over the world, in many ways I'm there for a week or two to kind of uh, enjoy, celebrate, et cetera, et cetera, then I'm back at home. But, um, what's it called, obviously being in my hometown, I was walking the streets uh, doing my thing afterwards, and, <laughs> um, you know, the the, the 17,000 people or so that were there, were all over Toronto. So bumping into people that were able to watch my fight and uh, talk to me about it was a really great feeling that went beyond just the the fight itself. And, you know, uh, beyond my experience, being attached to someone else's experience, uh, uh, like, again, um, the aspect that, uh, you know, a fan, uh, which is still even five years in the UFC, is kind of a surreal surreal, uh, way of thinking for me, the fact that I have a, a, a fan in what I do. And I'm really thankful for everyone that, you know, follows my career both inside the cage
0: and out no most definitely well again it's well deserved like I, this is probably going to be the name of this episode the cream rises to the top but that's what it really comes down to you don't you don't put on a persona you are who you are and then you back it up in the cage and that's why you have a following
2: well you know just doing me and i'm, I'm very thankful for everyone that has followed my career over the, the past uh, five plus years
0: so you have any pre or post fight routines that you always do
2: um not, not not specifically any
0: like i'm not really that superstitious in the past okay. i was especially when i was uh undefeated like for instance like um my uh first 12 song or first eight songs were uh rage against machine okay uh
2: so like i i kept on coming out of rage against machine because i kept on winning
0: right and then i fought
2: <laughs> i fought in the, in the states once out in ohio ohio and um they had like uh uh instead of allowing us to pick our songs they had a playlist from like the official uh fight cd of uh the event and i was okay. like what and they're all local uh, local artists oh, like sure. you know what i mean right. so i was like what the hell like uh, <laughs> i'm gonna come out to rage against the sheen like no right. sorry so then as a big uh, kind of mental hiccup i kind of just i actually looked and saw that the uh, my opponent mm-hmm. he had his own song that
0: was written for him oh, so okay. i
2: picked it as well so just to throw him off, <laughs> <My> <laughs> just go out and do a song. And then I just picked him up and uh, threw him around like a rag doll and broke his ribs.
0: Oh my God, that's hilarious. Well, not the breaking the ribs, but even though that's a little hilarious, but taking his song. So you came up before he did then?
2: Yeah, yeah exactly, because I was in his hometown. And the guy was like,
0: honestly, he was so intimidating looking. He was Rip. just tatted up like you wouldn't okay. believe. And uh,
1: just a mean
2: mofo-looking mofo. And I just basically grabbed a hold of him because he just wanted to try and knock my block up. Right. I just grabbed a hold of him, threw him around like a rag doll, and then he just couldn't answer for the third round.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So how, okay, like honestly, I guess to a to a person who's on the outside, a big-looking dude with a lot of tattoos is scary. But to someone like you that possesses the talents to take him down, are you still even a little bit scared of a dude that looks like that?
2: Um, less and less. I think the big uh, hurdle now moving forward is just fighting people that I've seen on TV.
0: You oh, know what I mean? Oh, makes sense. Um, <laughs> That's so, right. Uh,
2: what's it called? Brunson would be someone, like Tiago Santos is someone, right. Brad Tavares. Like, I'm not necessarily too, um, like, again, there's butterflies because no one wants to fail, right? Especially of course. Especially with my job, you get half your paycheck
1: when you don't get your
2: hand raised, right? Right. So, um, at the same time, I've been shown that, Seventeen out, of, uh, sorry, nineteen. Seventeen out of nineteen times, I've had my hand raised, and there's a reason for that because I find ways to win. Exactly. Um, and uh, I think um, my strengths match up really well against someone like Derek Brunson, for instance, who's you know very much a front runner um, and is trying to knock my block off. And. Again, as the old adage goes, with my coaches, never go full Brunson, and uh, I'm not going to allow him to go full Brunson on me. Uh, and uh, what's it called? Going to kind of tame the beast.
0: Right. Exactly. Okay. Anything fucked up happened, either before um, the fight week, or going into cage, or even during a fight that was not expected. That you're like, oh shit, I'm I'm done, or something. I've I've had
2: I've never had a negative experience. For the most part. I think okay. uh, one of the funnier things is I think it was like my seventh fight. Again, I, I picked them up and just threw them until uh, I broke the ribs. Right. Um, and they kind of tapped. It was like a minute and a half okay. into the into the round one. Wow! So I came out unscathed, felt amazing. And I was like set to fight like a month or two later. Mm-hmm. Long story short. Went to the dance floor uh, for mm. my after party, slipped, fell, broke my thumb, and uh, was out for like <laughs> three months. So oh, uh, kind of the joke is like uh, some of the worst injuries that I've had have nothing to do with fighting. Right. Like um, uh, for instance, right before I was ju- going to go to the Ultimate Fighter, mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, around Thanksgiving time. Um, okay. And I was like staying at my parents' place for a day or two or whatever it was, sure. uh, mostly for the for the uh, leftovers. Of course. Uh, but uh, so... <laughs> I was pulling out uh, some Tupperware okay. that had some leftovers, and there was a ceramic one that was below it right. that fell on my foot. Oh, shit. And, like, like, a week before I was supposed to go to the Ultimate Fighter. Okay, it fell on my foot, and I have 10 stitches on my foot. And I'm oh just like, God. oh, yeah. Yeah, dance floor broke my thumb. Wow. Leftovers nearly amputated my foot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wait. So are those, like, the only real injuries you've ever sustained? Yeah, yeah, well, um, wow. uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, I,
2: in a previous life, I was a skateboarder, broke my hand, two breaks, four fractures. Okay, you uh, said jump off of really high buildings before I realized oh, wow. uh, I was terrified of heights.
0: <laughs> Smart.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then obviously um, more in regards to my um, my actual uh, medical condition, in regards to bilateral neuropathic pain. Uh, that's that's more of uh, you know a condition rather than a you know, a specific injury, so right. I've been lucky for the foremost, um, you know, I think the, the the craziest thing that's kind of happened to me in some capacity would be like, you know, Tiago, Alves, Tiago uh, Santos um, splitting me open, for instance, um, with my fight, uh, right. and I had like, you know, 35 stitches, and I think in total, on my face alone, I've had um, 100 plus stitches in my face, wow. but luckily my chick dick scars, so it all worked out. <laughs>
0: Hey, okay, how about one thing that you could change about the sport that you had full control of? It could be like snap of your fingers, it's fixed. What, what would you change? Well, I, I
2: go back to the the current fight that I'm fighting beyond the cage, uh, but the stigma of medical cannabis. Uh, I'm fighting uh, not only for myself, but all other athletes to medicate as prescribed by their doctors. And, right. you know, I'm a huge believer in USADA and everything it stands for. I'm a clean athlete. And um, uh, what's it called? Really appreciate the UFC. Uh, you know hiring uh, the USADA the United States anti-doping agency mm-hmm. um, to come into the sport because again huge believer in clean sport but this one specific thing in regards to how they treat cannabis is an outdated mindset that I'm, I'm, right. I'm set to uh, determine to, to fight and um, you know I, I it's been a 19-month process fighting wow. for a therapeutic use exemption and uh, you know if all goes well Uh, That my wish will be uh, granted for my own self, but hopefully it will set precedent not only for myself, but all other athletes.
0: No, exactly, because I'm a firm believer in it as well, and I have my (coughs) medicinal card because I've had a lot of head injuries in the past, so I (coughs) suffer from head trauma. So I need both, like yourself, CBD and THC, because um, you saw to exempt CBD, is that correct? So you could still use CBD, but in some instances, some people still need the THC effect from it to help them as well for whatever reason that they need it for. And yep. and especially here in Canada, where now it's legal Canada wide, the whole country federally. Yep. And now coming in April, the stores are going to start popping up and everything. So it's going to be even more useful for people. I just don't understand this mind state, this set of the states where only certain states could have it. Only certain states could have it recreationally. Only certain states could have it medicinally. Like it, It's, it's well, fucking bullshit. It's
2: federal, well, the issue is it's federally
0: uh, illegal. Because it's a yeah. class one
2: drug. Again, uh, an outdated mindset that comes from a racist,
1: um, a racist
2: law. In regards yep. to, for anyone that doesn't know, it was a billionaire William Randall Hearse who owned all the the cotton mills mm-hmm. and a lot of the um, newspapers at the time. Didn't want to switch from cotton to hemp, uh, which is a far superior product. Of course. So he used propaganda and basically said that cannabis, formerly known as uh, marijuana, which is a spooky word
0: uh, I know, right?
2: was was giving black and brown people superhuman strength to attack people so um the laws yeah. were uh, fixated on that and um, again it propaganda and kind of shows that you know we're lucky we live in the age of information and we're mm-hmm. able to get our own information rather than relying on the the powers that be for corrupt reasons like that have you know put cannabis uh, behind where you know the medical advancements that we could have had if it wasn't uh, deemed illegal and right. deemed non-medicine uh, since the 1900s. You know what I mean? So um, just the the fact of where we can see where it's already shown Parkinson's uh, seizures yep. and uh, epilepsy for children. Like uh, again, these um, different types of conditions that it's able to help with, and you know, mine more specifically in regards to bilateral neuropathic pain. I need the THC to have the full uh, combustion in regard the full uh, what's it called chemical reaction in regards to uh, both CBD and THC um, mm-hmm. in the cannabis plant uh, in order to treat my uh, specific condition.
0: And with this condition, sorry, I'm not really familiar with it. Were you born with it, or was it something that you contracted? Is it genetics?
2: it's a little bit of column a column b um, uh, as mentioned I broke my hand two breaks four fractures okay it took bone out of my hip and made me in your wrist so um actually backtracking I have bilateral neuropathic pain it's essentially nerve damage in my upper extremities um, okay and I use my hands with everything I do punching and kicking I know right? and the best way to describe it is you know when you hit your elbow you sure. get a funny you hit your funny bone of that course. stinger I get that all over my hands oh all over my I get that everywhere so I hit I'll get stingers all over. And that's why, like, again, as my condition developed, I was forced to evolve my fighting style and why I'm not necessarily considered a knockout artist is because mm-hmm. I have to work in that capacity of volume rather than power. Because, right. again, uh, especially not being able to use my medicine in the last uh, month in training because of the way of testing is, right. um, I have horrible flare-ups as I start to cut weight. Oh, so, um, fish. I'm actually at a competitive disadvantage, and I, and I, again, not only do I have to fight someone that is equally as confident as they can, uh, you know, beat me, but also at a competitive disadvantage because they can use first line medications. Like for, you know, for whatever reason, cannabis is, is, uh, deemed prohibited in my sport, but mm-hmm. my opponent could opt out for Vicodin, can opt out for, um, you know, uh, SSRIs and wow. antidepressants and, Uh, What's it called? Uh, Other opioids that mask the pain, but because mine has this um, You know stigma attached to it and almost criminality attached to it because of um, you know the discrimination that goes against my medicine um, It it puts me at a competitive disadvantage and I've I've been forced to train around it and fight around it so uh, again um, why why I'm so determined to push this is uh, again not only for myself but others that uh, fight at a competitive disadvantage
0: and you know what it it helps everybody because okay this is what i find so stupid too sometimes there's so many countries now in the world that have legalized, like even again going back to my portuguese roots all of portugal has legalized every single drug so you could do whatever the fuck you want on the street whenever you want but again that's recreational i, I know that's something different yeah but- well one
2: thing Starting to check, no, it's go actually ahead. Decriminalized. Oh, decriminalized. It's not, sorry, it's decriminalized. So, again, where Canada finds itself in a very specific place is it's not only legalized nationwide, but we've also had it attached to our healthcare and uh, also the, the court system since 2003. Right? So, we've actually had for nearly 16 years medical cannabis is a fundamental right, and it's right. a fundamental right that I have as a, a patient and athlete, but unfortunately uh, this other company, um, organization again, which I'm a huge believer of, except of for course. this one specific aspect, um, uh, frowns upon and actually persecutes me as an athlete and patient.
0: Yeah. That's so stupid. Cause like I was trying to say, you, you this is going to help everyone because like, even in my instance, it's hard for me to travel because I can't bring my, my medicinal cannabis unless it's within Canada. I went to Vancouver. I was able to fly with it. Perfect. No problem. But I can't go across the border, even if it's to a state that it's legalized or they also have. A, it doesn't matter if that's against the law. Yeah. And it's like, why can't we make if someone could bring their Tylenol three that has codeine, that's a main component of heroin on a plane. Yeah. Why can't I bring my weed? Like, come on. Makes no sense. It's an outdated mindset. And
2: it's also, again, the powers that be. It's big pharma kind of dictating it. And right, why cannabis in many ways and why cannabis in many ways has been, uh, you know. Uh, put on the sidelines because, uh, again, it it's, it's uh, m- in many ways much less expensive uh, and much less addictive um, uh, form of medicine that obviously, uh, you know, in many ways the, the big powers that be don't necessarily want you to cure you. They just want to maintain you.
0: And that's what I always tell everyone when e- anyone asks, oh, why do you still keep doing it? Because there's no side effects. If I'm feeling yeah. good and it relieves all the symptoms that i have why am i going to stop taking it to what so i could yeah. relapse or feel worse it makes no sense
2: again on the technical side we have 85 cannabinoid receptors our bodies actually have receptors on us that actually understand cannabis wow. in order to actually overdose on cannabis you have to smoke twice your body weight
0: that's crazy which is
2: physically impossible yeah i know right, right. Uh, a, a handful of a handful of Opioids can kill you. Yeah. Why? Because you don't have those receptors. It's actually hacking your system yeah. where this is actually Utilizing your system and again going back to the the best way to kind of describe it to those that um, Want to understand a lot of my nerve damage is due to inflammation, right? So your spine is this the is the highway that connects your brain to the rest of your body, right? right in that 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 highway has different exits where again the exits are, in many ways, the, where the cannabinoid receptors mm-hmm. are, and in many ways, the the information uh, uh, that you, that is trying to leave the highway, it gets off of the exit, and there you have like pileups, and yeah, that inflammation yeah. up is the pileup. And with cannabis, I'm able to clear up the uh, the highway, uh, the highway, and uh, the exits mm-hmm. uh, on my body. And again, it's it's a way to pain manage um, yep. my bilateral
0: neuropathic pain, something I deal with on a daily basis. No, that's awesome. And hopefully it all works out for the best and it soon passes and USADA gets a hold of it and realizes that the old way is not working and this is actually helping people versus making them cheat because I don't know how uh, cannabis would make a, a competitor more competitive if not just on an equal level with everyone else. But hey, whatever. I, the old school, like even with my parents, for example, my, well, not my parents because my mom passed, but with my dad, he calls me the other day. He's like, oh, can you believe that it's now legal for this drug for people to go on the street and smoke it everywhere? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, all these people are crazy. They also go to jail, blah, blah. I'm like, that's because you're like almost 80. Relax, old man. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, come on. You're not going to be here that much longer, chill. Like, whatever. It's People just don't get it.
2: Well, it's an, out- yeah, it's an outdated mindset. Uh, again, my parents in many ways at the beginning were very much, um, you know, against it, especially because, you know, the label of exactly. um, uh, illegality that went on it. But, right. um, you know, we're going in the right direction that it's now legal and no one, for the most part, will um, ever have to, in this country, uh, go to jail I know. for a plant, um, which is a huge thing. And especially we just got to look down south where they still have that. Um, yeah. and, and again, the powers that be that, you know, in the transition from uh, slavery to uh, the 13th Amendment, um, it basically removed the ability to own someone unless they 're prisoners, and obviously, um, with the war on drugs and the the real criminality of cannabis uh, by Nixon and his way of he wasn 't mm-hmm. able to persecute people for being black or quote unquote hippies, but he was able to uh, persecute uh, a substance that they they use uh, in their life and that 's why um, you know the, the 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 craziest statistic that i would throw out there is there are more men Hmm. black men in jail than there were in the height of slavery right now
0: wow that's crazy that is fucking crazy
2: again i'll repeat it there are more black and brown men in jail in the u.s than there was during slavery yeah the peak of slavery
0: right Jesus Christ! I don't know. And then man. that's
2: a reason because again, the Thirteenth Amendment down there allows you doesn't allow you to enslave anyone right. unless they're a prisoner. Yeah. And then furthermore, if it's a federal, uh, it's a federal crime like cannabis possession is, yeah. you're no longer allowed to vote. Yeah. So now you're no longer allowed to change any of those laws. That's to so persecute
0: you. Yeah, I know one of the right. the
2: things, one of the big things actually in the states that recently happened mm. uh, in the um, midterm election that they had, okay. uh, Florida has the largest uh, federal uh, criminal um, uh, list. So like people oh, that wow. went to jail and um, I think it's like 1.5 million oh, uh, people yeah. aren't allowed to vote because they have a federal <sighs> crime wow. uh, against them. Right. So they just changed that. So oh, okay. um, there was a lot of back and forth, but they actually, they the, the legislators, they actually, they, they slow rolled it. Okay, and it was that. supposed to be right away a clean slate. But instead, they made it a $500 uh, tax. Oh,
0: well. So you still have
2: to pay money in order yeah. to do it. But, Jesus. again, it's all about money at the end of the
0: day. That's exactly what it is. Anything they, they can make money on, they will. That's the bottom line. With money the government. and power. Yeah, money you know what? Power. That's true, too. It's so, and that's why they don't want to let go of certain shit that actually works, because they're scared to lose their power, right? Yep. Exactly. Okay, so I want to touch on something. You're also a ring boy for Invicta. Trademark included. <laughs> How the hell did this come about? Like, were you like the first guy to honestly go up to, uh, I I forgot her name, the the CEO of Invicta, and... Shannon App. Shannon App, that's it. And go up to her and be like, hey, look at me. Like, I look like a supermodel. Come on. I could come out in nice short shorts. You know, you have a high demographic in women. Why not?
2: Well, uh, originally I did it with a smaller league called Montreal Fight League. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know that. It's a local league out here. Um, I filmed the whole experience and, again, presented it as Shannon uh,
0: as a MMA fighter and MMA fan. And, again, with nothing but
2: respect and uh, looking to add not subtract from a great night of fights. And fast track the fact that now it's Montreal Fight League, it's uh, Invicta, and it's also BTC Fight Promotion. So I'm actually the uh, ring boy for three different uh, promotions. Uh, And, uh, again, I own the trademark and eventually will be – Coming out with a um, calendar uh, next year. Um, Fantastic. Not only with myself, but I'm going to actually, what's it called? Uh, uh, I guess recruit uh, (laughs) other uh, UFC fighters uh, to be uh, on the calendar uh, because uh, I'm going to have different weight classes. uh, Sure. You know, because Big is beautiful in MMA. And who wouldn't love to see uh, Derek Luce as Mr. July?
0: I was just going to mention the same guy who on the same length. Exactly. See? That would be awesome. Even I thought of that
2: just like what's up <laughs> but again uh, part of the conversation i'm trying to have that is the pr- true pursuit of equality the answer right. is more not less and there's been recent calls of course. to remove ring card girls yeah. ring girls yeah, from yeah. uh what's it called promotions and i think that's actually does a huge detriment to female uh, female um uh ring card holders because they've been able to leverage their notoriety and their platform for other things that's one true. example would be someone like Britney Palmer who's yeah. become a you know an international artist uh and painter because Mm -hmm. of her platform as a ring card holder so again i think it it takes away um a platform from women and again the true pursuit of equality answers more not less
0: see you know what the problem is though the perception again the old mindset is that a ring card girl is stupid like they're just there because they're blonde and they're good looking and that's it they don't think there's someone actually behind that and this may be just a stepping stone or a way to get out there or even that they love mixed martial arts so why not have the best seat in the house doesn't that make sense like you know what i mean yeah that's what I,
2: I look at it. I have the best seat in the house every time I, I get to be uh, part of a, a show as a ring card holder. So, you know, again, a, part of it is just having these conversations and breaking the stigma that, you know, not only relies in, or, or that falls on cannabis, but also uh, ring card holding and what my actual uh, purpose of uh, being a ring card holder is.
0: You know what? I'm the same way too. Because even when women first were introduced in the UFC, everyone was sort of against it. People were like, "Ah, I don't know if this is going to work. I was all for it from the shot go. I'm the same way. I love it. I want equality. That's what it's all about. I don't want one to be higher than the other or because someone's been depressed, now they have so much more. No, no, no. Let's have an equal working field where you can have both always entertaining at the same time. Why not? No,
2: I agree. People sometimes fear. And obviously now you can see the... um you know, now it's not really changed in the fact that uh female athletes have been able to compete in the UFC and other promotions for right. many years now.
0: And at a high level, okay. too. Yep. Like, that's the thing. Now, what do you wear when you... Because I've never actually Googled and seen what you've worn. Because I, I don't know if it's homophobia or whatnot, but whatever. But to each his own. Do you wear, like, your fight shorts? Do you come all, like, in a thong? Do you wear, like, that Borat yeah. banana hammock thingy? Like, what's going on Definitely here? Definitely not the, the Borat. Uh, <laughs>
2: don't have the quote-unquote balls to do that. But um, point being, uh, I just, I wear the same thing as I would in a fight. And oh, okay. again, I'm shirtless. I'm shirtless in a
0: fight. And uh, sure. I'm, uh, what's it called, shirtless as a ring card holder. Now, how does your girl feel about this, honestly? She
2: loves it. She, does she? Again, it, it's... Yeah, uh, what's it called? She again. It's a great way to uh, you know differentiate myself from the 400 plus uh, athletes, and it keeps That's me true. again nothing like a little vanity in the capacity of uh, looking, looking ring boy ready uh, to keep you in shape uh, beyond the three fights that I have in a year. So um, you know, it's actually served as an opportunity to be both uh, fight ready and ring boy ready uh, year round
0: so you've also done modeling like you you've been on cover of magazines and have uh, you...
2: and also uh what's it
0: called not to interrupt but also uh, romance covers uh, i've been on uh, <laughs>
2: 11 romance covers uh none of which i let my mom read
0: Um uh, yeah, but weird. point
2: being <laughs> it's just nothing but smut. but uh, <laughs> point being uh you know it originally started as a way to supplement my income when i was in the uh the, the feeder leagues okay. uh, in the regional circuit, sure, um, different acting, stunt work, modeling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But mm-hmm. now it actually encompasses myself as a brand, and uh, you know I've been able to work with uh, you know the lights of uh, being the first uh, UFC fighter with like a shampoo endorsement with Per Plus. That's crazy. Uh, I was responsible for the reboot of um, the reboot of uh, Mattel's Rock'em Sock'em robot. What? I've worked with. Yeah,
0: I didn't uh, even I, know I, that.
2: Yeah, uh, what's it called? Um, and, and other, like, uh, for instance, uh, partnerships, like uh, I'm the uh, new ambassador for Coors Light. Uh, I'm going to be working with them more on Coors Edge at first. Okay. Uh, They're non-alcoholic beer. Right. Um, and I'm really excited because I've actually developed a whole campaign with it. You remember yeah. uh, Jackie Chan's movie, The Drunken Master? No. Well, basically, it's it's Jackie Chan, and he pretends that the whole idea of The Drunken Master is that sure. it's a martial arts where you pretend you're drunk. Okay. Um. But my whole thing is the undrunken master. So, I so yeah, cause it's non-alcoholic beer. Right. right. So, the undrunken master. And I, again, you don't need alcohol to unleash your inner master. Right. Um, and uh, I'm really excited with the commercial and the product that's going to come out with it. And furthermore, uh, we talked about trademarks. I own the tradem- a trademark main event. Yeah. I own the trademark, um, I own the trademark, uh, what's it called, Uh, the Ring Boy, as I mentioned as well. And I may or may not own a trademark that's very similar to uh, a character that's out there called Salt Bay, but with a different thing.
0: (laughs) You uh, You do look a bit like like him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I actually own the trademark for, if we can read between the lines of what I own the trademark with, and I actually will be uh, uh, unveiling it. Uh, come 420, where I have a whole calendar and uh, ca- uh, campaign that's coming out.
0: That's fantastic, man. Holy shit. Yeah, you're just a man of many. T- so how about a runway? Have you ever done any runway modeling? Yes, I have. Oh, uh, shit. Yes, have. Even that, eh? How's that experience? It's
2: cool. Um, uh, it's, you know, different. Uh, I've done it a- a- as a UFC fighter, so part of it, uh, oh, okay. my entry into it was um, being, uh, you know, uh, the celebrity guest, and then from there... Uh, the right. opportunity to do it on a more uh, uh, more regular basis. But uh, it's definitely something I plan on doing. And for instance, right after my fight, uh, I actually have a movie that I'll be uh, flying off to Greece, to film. Um, Beautiful. It's called uh, Red Door and Lemon Tree. Okay. Um, basically, it's a rom-com, like a oh, romantic nice. comedy okay. with a fantasy twist. And uh, I play King Minos, um, who is uh, the first king of Greece, okay. or sorry, first king of Crete um, oh, wow. in Greece. And, uh, what's it called? I can't give away too much, but, um, what's it called? My, my part will be out of this world.
0: Oh, that's, that sounds fantastic. And I was just going to touch on that too. So you've dipped your toes in acting now, like you go to yep. California, you try out for roles, you're trying to get parts yep. here and there. So have you done like the whole thing? Have you got coaching? You got the agent thing? Yep.
2: Uh, what's it called? And, uh, like, again, I have a, a, a film that I'll be filming for a couple weeks in, uh, Greece, um, later on. Uh, and in addition um, I actually have my own film that, that uh, we're working on. We're in the process of funding, oh, nice. uh, but it's called uh, The Last Hit. Okay. It's a working title at the point, but mm-hmm. basically I play an MMA fighter, huge stretch, sure. and I get injured, and I reinvent myself with competitive video games. Oh. So um, I, I am injured, and I'll actually be in a wheelchair for majority of the film, and the yeah. whole joke is I'm MMA Drake. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a comedy. Oh. Um, it's very much... It's very much. You remember the movie The Wiz? Of
0: course I do. Yes.
2: Yes, it's The Wiz meets South
0: Okay, makes sense.
2: And it's a comedy, and it's very dodgeball esque. Yeah. I'm very proud of the script. Uh, okay. Um, we have a great writer attached to it. Fantastic. Um, Kyle Francis. Um, he uh, like one of his claimed of early claim of fame. He was actually the one that um, wrote all the scripts to the Kim Kardashian uh, apps. Oh, wow. Um, and, and that Kim app made like, I think something like $120 million a year. Yep. Uh, now he works for, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, if I remember correctly, again, I get hit by in the head for a living, it's but I, I'm almost positive. He works for Ubisoft. Okay. Um, and uh, well, it's all the, um, it might not be Ubisoft. It's, um, all the, uh, like Prince of Persia, all of, uh, yeah, that's Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he works with them and he's the writer of the, the, the script. Um, you also have Gary Hawes, who okay. is going to be the uh, director. Nice. He, is, uh, he has been the second director and the assistant director for films like Juno, Interstellar, all oh, the wow. new Planet of the Apes, all the new um, uh, X-Men movies. And I think he's been yeah. attached to something like $4 billion in, in films. Uh, this will be his third individual like, where he takes the, the full-on lead. Right. And uh, you know his style of um, artistic style is very impressive. And, uh, I'm really excited because the script's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's a, I think it's going to be a really breakout role for me because I play the, the lead in it and, Good. um, it tackles on a lot of things. And I've been able to, uh, put, um, a lot of, uh, the passions that, um, that I am very passionate about, or sorry, all the topics that I'm very passionate about, um, in it. And part of that will be, uh, for instance, as I am an athlete who, uh, gets injured, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, unfortunately, uh, Fall into the, 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 the thralls of uh, opioids in that, and uh, obviously I find a better alternative with uh, cannabis. And it shows, um, again, it's a narrative in regards to I've been able to uh, put in, in, you know, as an alternative, uh, and again, a bigger, um, bigger, uh, what am I trying to say, a bigger uh, n- uh, conversation beyond yeah. a fun uh, comedy that uh, i'll
0: be the leader no that's fuck that's awesome so is that your game plan for beyond uh, re- uh i was gonna say wrestling beyond mma that you're going to be like do the acting do the modeling and right off into the sunset so yeah, to speak well I, I think i think um you know i in many ways
2: have always I, I like almost distracting myself from the day-to-day grind of fighting right and uh i i look at these as in many ways as a all, uh an option to kind of diversify obviously financially and you know as a, a brand and as an individual of course. but I uh, also have fun with it like again uh, one of the things I get to look forward to after I beat Derek Brunson um and nice. being in the top 8 is running off to um running off to create to film a movie for 2 3 weeks and uh I'm very lucky that my parents are retired right. um, and uh what's it called as well in regards to my girlfriend she's able to you know, come and enjoy uh, that with me. So I'm going to go Beautiful. film, for instance, uh, for a couple of weeks. And then my parents, they go to Greece uh, every every summer kind of thing for three, four months. Right. Uh, they're like part snowbirds in that capacity. Fair but um, after my fight uh, and after I film uh, my movie, uh, I'll meet up with my parents uh, at some point and I get to travel with them and spend as much time with them. So I'm very lucky uh, in that regard and just in general. I, I love uh, what I do inside the cage and
0: out. That's awesome. So do you speak Greek? Are you fully fluent in it?
2: Not fully fluent. Um, what's called, uh, I argue that I'm fully fluent in sarcasm, oh,
0: <laughs> but you can get by, like you'll be fine when you're there.
2: No, I can understand it. It's okay. just not, a, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not as confident to speak it. Right. Um, the same thing with my French. Uh, for instance, like oh, I can read French okay. pretty fluently. Right. I, I know what words are, right? I know how to read. Gotcha. It's just I don't use. I don't communicate enough. Okay. So, um, and partly also I have a little bit of, um, I'm a little slight of hearing. So, um, it's a little hard for me to kind of register. Right. Uh, even with English, uh, I have to kind of uh, read lips a little
0: oh i see what you're saying yeah that makes sense like my my greek is limited like i have a lot of greek fans and i know people who are greek and li- literally the only thing i know is is malacca that's the only yeah,
2: well, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a go-to
0: so there you go so i'm good <laughs> Yeah. You just gotta add you just gotta
2: add t-less t-less malacca so, it means like what's up like what are you doing oh like,
0: there, you okay. there you go okay See, you learn you're something new more. every day yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you said uh, you were touching on, obviously, you know, uh, studios like uh, Ubisoft and shit. Are you a gamer then? You're big into gaming? Yeah,
2: definitely a gamer. I've been a gamer for many years. Oh, um, nice. Obviously, um, you know, some of the the original titles of, like, uh, Mortal Kombat, Street Beautiful. Fighter, etc., right. uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And, you know, even, like, my favorite game of all time would be Metal Gear Solid. Okay. Uh, definitely, definitely a huge fan of the whole uh, series. Um, and, you know, gaming's been something I, I you know... I've done
0: uh, my whole life. Yeah, same here. I grew up like my first system that I ever had was a ColecoVision. so I grew Nine up in days. in the Stone Age of fucking video games. So I see the progression, and I see when kids are spoiled. And I was like, if you only knew what you had to play with back I know, in the day, exactly. But it was so thunk, realistic thunk, to us, though. Like it was mind boggling back then. So, uh-huh. what do you? What's your go to game right now? What are you playing right now? What, what's in your system?
2: Well, um. i have been playing because uh again go uh the last hit is a working title and if all goes well with the uh franchise agreements and whatnot um my practice as street fighter will definitely pay off because that or may
0: not be what the movie will be called once we get the title oh look at that nice little tidbit there for everyone fantastic so what about other sports are you obviously being canadian you, you must be a hockey fan i played hockey yeah i played hockey
2: uh, growing up in some capacity i actually uh, was more into baseball oh okay still kind of am. Uh, oh, wow. what's it called i uh used to play for the Bluers blue jays oh what's up watch out, Throw out to the team, uh, the shout out <laughs> to the team. Um, and then one of the cool things for me in that capacity my um coach he he um he coached some of the the blue jays at the time uh leading up Uh, leading up to their career and uh, every like once a month we were able to play practice or do our practice actually at the Skydome right we'll always call Skydome so do I Uh, don't worry uh, so you know here here I am at 13 uh, having Sunday practice on on the Skydome it was really uh, you know uh, an amazing uh, experience and kind of allowed me to you know uh, enjoy both uh, as a uh, as an athlete at the time and also Mm. as a fan and Every time that I um, go there now with a couple of wobbly pops to watch the Jays kick butt, uh, I definitely still have uh, a couple of, uh, you know, uh, exciting feelings when I, uh, you know, in the Sky Dome and taking it all in.
0: So in your busy time schedule, do you find any time to watch TV or movies or anything?
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm kind of uh, addicted to politics in some capacity, whether it's Canadian or whatnot. Sure. So I definitely watch, uh, I definitely watch. Uh, you know, like The Daily Show or... Oh, okay any type of uh, other types of politics that I can kind of lead it. Uh, what's it called, uh, you know, feed my addiction to <laughs> politics.
0: See, I'm the complete opposite. The less I know, the better I think I feel. I, I, I'm an angry person at heart, so when I start listening to the shit that they're doing, and it's like, you just want to go through the TV and ring their net. Not to say that I'm perfect myself and that my views is what should be in charge, but it's like, something is just so common sense. It's like, what are you guys doing?
2: Yes, but I would argue there's this old adage by uh, Ralph Nader who said, um, if you don't turn on politics, politics turn
0: on you. You know what, that's true. But again, I know just enough. I know I follow enough accounts on Twitter where I'm not dumb so where I can follow a conversation. But again, I'm not so into it where I could name drop like how you do. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. All right, so at the end of the show, I usually like to play a dumb laws game with my guests. So I'll present to you three dumb laws. Then it's multiple choice. You got to choose which one's the real dumb law from the state that's in the states. All right, and there's three categories. So... No particular order. In North Carolina, it is illegal to take out your dentures in public. In West Virginia, it is illegal to cook in the nude. Or in Delaware, it is illegal to change your clothes in a car.
2: I'm going to say cook in the nude. uh, Because it just depends whether that, that one's not real, I would say. Because it just depends on whether that's like, can you cook in the nude at home? Probably, but can you cook
0: in the nude uh, at McDonald's? No. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. That's you're what doing... I'm saying. Like, again, like that I, makes sense. I, can see, I can see where that
2: one doesn't make sense as being a, a law. I, I think uh, changing your clothes in the car might make sense because, um, again, you could expose yourself in public. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, taking out your dentures might be illegal because, again, it, it might be unbecoming in some capacity.
0: Well, the real dumb law is you can't change your clothes in a car. That's an actual law, and you will get fined.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I can see those. I can, and same thing with dentures. It's something in public that's unseemly. But the one that I knew that was definitely not right is, uh, is the West Virginia, where Virginia. got that? Cooking in the nude.
0: All right. If that's, if that's the case, then I am a wanted
2: fugitive in North Carolina. Just cooking nude, naked, or nude all the time. Cooking noodles, nude
0: all the time. <laughs> Just don't cook your noodle or don't make bacon. No. That's it. No. <laughs> all right. Next set. So choose the one that's actually enforced. That's a real okay. law. All right. Got it. In Missouri, it is illegal to fish with dynamite. In Alabama, it is illegal to eat your own feces. Or in Tennessee, it is illegal to give or receive oral sex hoping I'm
2: hoping it's the feces one I'm hoping it's the feces one <laughs> I'm just hoping I don't know which one it is I'm just hoping it's the feces one I hope that's illegal illegal as fuck
0: no you you could go ahead and eat your own shit in Alabama if you want to <laughs> the illegal it's dynamite it's dynamite nope you could do that too my friend
2: what a weird time to be alive
0: just don't go to Tennessee if you really enjoy oral sex because it's against the law
2: Definitely
0: not on my to-do list. <laughs> so if you ever get a fight in Tennessee, don't, don't bother bringing your girl down. It's, it's not worth it. No. <laughs> oh. All right, last one. Let's see if you can get this one then. In Texas, it is illegal to sell your own eyeball. In Oklahoma, it is illegal to dust a building using a feather duster. Or in New Mexico, it is illegal to own a Mexican restaurant if you're not at least 50% Mexican.
2: I don't think the last one can be true. Okay. Um, the dusting of the feather, I think it's ridiculous. I think, I think it's ridiculous. So I think that's the one that has to be true.
0: Nah, man, it's even more ridiculous. It's illegal to sell your own eyeball in Texas.
2: Well, that seems reasonable.
0: But who's pulling out their own eyeball where they have to make this law? Well, if
2: it pops out, you
0: can't
2: just like, like, oh, well, there's ten bucks right there.
0: <laughs> oh shit! I know. I can only imagine. Fuck. Well Elias thanks for coming Aboard man it's been a blast really appreciate it Now it's your turn if you want to plug anything Where people could find you anything upcoming The floor is all yours
2: Yeah uh, at Elias Theodoro uh, Plain and simple just my name Uh, Apologize in advance for all the vowels um, But uh, what's it called Point being thank you for your support uh, Or uh, thank you for your hate If uh, you're watching this and Want to see me lose because you know Again whether you love me or hate me as long as you're watching Is all that matters
0: you know what it is true there's no bad publicity as long as it is publicity right I agree <laughs> Well, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Finga Styles. You could also find the podcast on Twitter, the Podcast App. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, questions, comments at the at gmail dot com. Obviously listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify. Leave us a review, rate us on all of them. Doesn't matter. It helps us immensely. I have no idea how much the ranking system helps that way. So please if you're listening and you haven't ranked or left a review, please do that. Obviously only five stars and good reviews. If you're gonna give me a shitty review, leave that to yourself. Do a like how they always tell you and uh, I guess at work when you take those uh, ethical courses. If you if you write if you need to tell someone off in an email, write it first, then look at it the next day, because then you won't feel the same way. That's probably what you'll feel about this podcast. So if it's a bad review, don't do it. Anyways, obviously go to podbros.com listen to the show there, and that's about it. All good, my friend.
2: All good, thank you.
0: No, thank you. On that note, he's Elias. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.